Good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to Greater Alton Church. My name is Tim, and it's good to have you with us today. It's nice to see the sun finally out again, and um, I know we're supposed to be getting some more rain. We just desperately need rain, don't we? Good to be together, though, and um, we're starting a new series. I uh, ran across this title for a series. I love the title, From Me to We, and the Keys to Building Better Relationships. I want better relationships. Uh, it just seems like I'm always needing better relationships <laughs> with my family, with my wife, uh, with co-workers, and some of you. I mean, we need, we need better relationships. And um, and I, I got to thinking, I brought my cell phone out with me because while well, you all got yours, I got mine. I was texting texting uh, Richard Fredendall, just letting him know some updates. <laughs> just letting him know, you know, you're here. And, um, and letting him know that uh, some other things. But um, I just can't believe that what I hold in my hand. My wife and I were coming home uh, from uh, Mount Carmel, Illinois yesterday. We had a funeral that, we, that I was doing there uh, about a family member. And <laughs> put it away. Okay, I will. Thanks. Somebody said, put it away. <laughs> Man, you're already on me. It <laughs> wasn't from Richard. It wasn't from Richard Friendall. It's from one of you jokers. So, but uh, but uh, one of the things I I uh, her phone quit working and panic began to set in in our three-hour trip from Mount Carmel. What are we going to do? How are we going to survive? And we and we're trying to figure it out as you're driving, which is bad enough when you're trying to text and drive, trying to fix a phone and drive. Not a good idea. So. Uh, but it's amazing. We're more connected than we've ever been. Would you agree? We're so connected uh, with all these different ways of being connected. With a tap of a finger, I can connect with somebody on the other side of the world. And uh, yet, today, many of us here and many people we know, are we feel so disconnected. How is that possible that I can have something like this and yet feel so disconnected? So that my relationships are so superficial that we don't go very deep in our relationships. They're shallow. Why is that happening? You know, um, it seems that though we're more connected, we're becoming more isolated at the same time. It just seems to be what I notice. Proverbs talks about this long before Twitter, long before Facebook. I wonder if God has a sense of humor sometimes. Look what it says here. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I can have a lot of cyber friends. I, I know people that have thousands of people, Facebook friends, but not very many good face-to-face friends. See, God wants you and I to have better relationships. And that's why the church is here. One of the reasons, one of the big reasons the church is here is so that we can be together because we are, as I've heard said before, better together. We need the church. We need connection. Uh, You were made to connect. I was made to connect. So where do I begin? Where do I begin in this idea of building relationships and building better relationships in my life. And I got to thinking about this. I thought, well, you got to start with the first relationship. That's where you go in the book of Genesis. Now, some of you are thinking, oh, you're talking about Adam and Eve. I go, no, I'm not talking about Adam and Eve. I'm talking about Adam and God. That was the first relationship. I don't know how many times I've sat around, I've done, I've done weddings, and I talk about the very first relationship with God and missed that the very first relationship with God was not with a woman that Adam had with a woman, but the, but the relationship he had with his God. See, the first relationship, that's, that's, what's, that's so important because, see, this, and listen, this is so important that you catch this. Because if we're going to talk about building better relationships, that God wants to move you from a me life to a we life, we've got to get the foundation right before i could talk about well how do we work on our marriages or how do we work on our kids and parents relationships or how do we work on better friend next week we're talking about do i have acquaintances or friendships or we're going to be looking at the power of friendships and uh before we can talk about that we've got to talk about this relationship we have with god do you have a close relationship with god is he an acquaintance or is he your best friend is he just a list of other Relationships you have, or is he the, the source, the foundation? See, Jesus believed this. He believed that the relationship 
that you have with God is more important, and it's where you start all the other relationships. Look at this passage up here on the screen. Jesus is talking, and this is a message paraphrase. He says, Teacher, he was asked, which command in God's law is the most important? Now, there's a good one. Well, I'm interested. What is the most important command? I bet it's got something to do with some doctrine. No, it has something to do with relationships. Have you noticed that? Not that doctrine's unimportant. It's important. We're called to watch our life and doctrine closely. But look what Jesus says when he answers this question. Love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence, with all your soul, mind, and strength, he's saying. Look at here. This is the most important, the first of any list, the most important commandment on God's list is a relationship with Him. Did you catch that? But there's a second to sit alongside it, right alongside it, close beside it. He says, love others as well as you love yourself. Notice he's talking about a me life and a we life. Did you catch that? He's talking about love others like you love yourself. These two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets hang from them. The most important commandment in the Scriptures is a relationship with God. It deals with your relationship with God, my relationship with God. It's the first on his list. Why? Because you and I were not created to be isolated. I like being isolated. You're not, that's not what God created you to be. I gotta go away sometimes and find myself. Well, sometimes we need to go away and find ourselves. I've learned that I usually, when I go away to find myself, I come back just as lost. (laughs) Okay? Uh, But really, I need to get away and find God. That really makes the biggest difference. You find yourself when you find God because you find what you're made for, what you're about, your purpose in life, how much you're loved. You learn a lot about you when you find God. Make sense? And notice, He's, here he's saying, I mean, I just get this, this me life is just not enough. Just to live for myself is just not enough. And it's not just about marriage. It's more than about marriage. It's just about relationships, period. The friendships I have. The family I have. So let's look at this relationship, this very first relationship that we see in the Bible. And if you'll notice here in your notes, Genesis 1, let's look at this passage together. It says, God saw all that He had made and it was very good. God says, oh, everything is just perfect. It was perfect. He made everything just great. And, and was it good? Yes, it was very good. Why? Because it was perfect. There was no shame. And Adam is living in this He's living in the middle of it, in the middle of a garden. It's wonderful. See, Adam had a relationship with God long before Eve came along. And you're saying, yeah, Alan, and when she showed up, look what happened. And that's not, that's not, let me tell you, things went sideways not when Eve showed up. Things went sideways when their relationship with God went sideways. Because it was perfect. There was no shame. See, my relationship with God, your relationship with God, determines the quality of all the relationships that you're going to have. It's almost as if my relationship with God is kind of like this internal compass that guides me and keeps me on track. Now, you can have your own compass and do what you want, But it's going to lead you astray, folks. No, my relationship with God, as long as I have God at the center of my life, and I really made Him truly the center of my life, we're going to see that in a minute here, then the other relationships I have become more centered. They do get better. Yes, some people, when you're following Christ, they're not going to like what you have to say. They're going to reject you. That's to be expected. We're not talking about those today. We're talking about these relationships that we that we're to connect with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, or in our family, in our home, our, our co-workers we're reaching out to. You see, if if you don't address your need for God, 
that bedrock need for God, no other relationship's going to work well, and it won't be enough. It just won't be enough. Look at the Bible says here in Genesis 2. The Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make... Did you catch that? Not, circle alone. Go ahead and circle alone if you've got a pen there. It's not good for a man to be alone. And then circle, I will make. Did you see what God said? I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. Now, I want you to know, for years, I've looked at this passage, quoted it often in weddings. Well, as you know, one day, God put a man in a garden, and he looked for a mate, and he couldn't find one, and God saw his loneliness and said it wasn't good. I'm not so sure Adam is lonely. I'm not so... You say, what are you talking about? You ever been alone? Have you? Are you always lonely when you're alone? There's times I want to be alone. Leave me alone. Come on. You know that's true. No, you can be alone and not be lonely. And if you're living in a perfect place and you're alone, but you have a relationship with God, you're going to be lonely? I'm not so sure. No, God saw Adam and said, you know what? I don't like him being by himself. I want to have, I want him to have another counterpart. I want him to, I want him to be connected to another person. Because, and so by what he's doing is he is fulfilling Adam. He's continuing to give Adam. And so he puts Adam asleep, the Bible says, and he takes a rib out of his side and makes Eve. And he brings, he brings Eve to this man and says, Hey, look what I made for you. I made a relationship for you. I made a person for you. I want to help you. It's a helper. Now don't misunderstand something here. Ladies, don't misunderstand it. And gentlemen, especially you, don't misunderstand. Oh, I'm going to make a helper. So she's going to help me do my thing. No, she's going to help me do God's thing. And helper, don't make that into some sort of demeaning, well, she's going to pick up this and do this and do this and do this. If you do, you're gonna, what are you gonna do with all those passages that talk about God being our helper? You're gonna demean God the same way? Oh, wait a minute, maybe we already do that. So he makes this woman and brings it to this man. Why? He's saying, I don't want you to be living in solitude. I don't want you to get used physically on this earth being by yourself, quote-unquote, I made you to be social. I made you for community. I made you to connect. I made you for relationships. This uh, Yesterday, I, I, got to, I got to do a funeral. You know, preachers, by the way, most of the time, they don't like doing funerals. You come up to me and say, hey, would you like to do a funeral? I'm not saying I won't do it. I'll do it, you know, but man. But if I know you, if I'm doing your funeral, I might like it. I said might. Did you catch that? <laughs> no, uh, Ken Chalcraft was easy to talk about. I'd known Ken. And, and what I noticed, Denise and I noticed this coming back home. because you know what, what, what just took me back? What's that? Well, he was, he, he, uh, his mom and dad grew up in Elry, Illinois. How big is Elry? Well, it's smaller than Dow. It is small, it is a small, and, and how do you know that, Tim? My bus used to go through Elry twice a day. Used to be a general store there. It's gone. And there may, I don't know how many houses there, Michael, what? Maybe 10, 15, maybe 30, maybe. Some of them are vacant. I mean, they're, they're counting the cemetery to boost up their population. They're, they got problems in Elry. It's just a small town in the middle of nowhere. Denise is saying to me, do you know how to get to Elry? Huh? Man, I went to Elry every day, twice a day. Oh, you probably know this area better than I do. And see, her her grandmother lived in Elry. So she knew Elry too. So we get there. There's a Christian church in the middle of town. It really doesn't look like a town. It looks more like a street. 
And I've, I drove by there for years thinking, oh, I'd love to go there. And we get in there, little, little Christian church. There's pictures of when they had 200 people going to that church. I mean, and look at the attendance now, and it's 25, 17, small. This place is packed with people. The air conditioning is not on. Reminds me when I was a kid, and I used to go to the country church, and everybody's doing the fans. And I'm sitting around going, why, oh, Denise, why is this place so packed? It, it hit us. Ken was more interested in people than being interesting to people. That's a big different way to live, you know? When you're more interested in people, his expertise was inventory. He kept track of things. Everything. He, he went around uh, talking about how to do inventory so much better all over the United States and around the world. He was known as a lecturer that really understood this. It was his niche in life. But I tell you what I noticed he kept track of. People. He was part of the state championship uh, uh, champions in Illinois in 1957. was a part of a small school outside of Decatur that won uh, the state championship in 1957, the year I was born. And two of his teammates were in the crowd. People had come from L.A. to the East Coast, from Florida. There were co-workers that used to know him. Why? He was connected. You see, he had lots of trophies. He had lots of lots of trophies that had his name on it in schools in Illinois. He attended U of I. I looked up his record. He played football. They have records of what he did in football. But I bet you nobody knows Ken Shawcraft in the University of Illinois. Only two generations of people are going to remember Ken by face and by voice and sound. And after that, but you know why he's going to be remembered? Because of connection. Connection. That's one thing i got to admit about him. He was more connected to people than a lot of us are connected here. He just loved people. And I'm just saying to you this morning, church, you know, God wants to move you from this isolated me life to a we life. And it starts with this, the we life I have with God, between me and God. Now, what we're going to do now is we're going to look at a few things here. And I want you to know that if you miss this today, the rest of this series is going to be a waste of your time. If you miss this, because it's just some foundational things we've got to get straight before I can have a relationship with you or you with me or, or with our kids or with our spouses or with our friends. We've got to get this straight. And I've got to be willing to not just know this, but to act on it. To act on the following facts about my relationship with God. Here's the first one. My wholeness comes from God. Not from people. Now I want you know you say, wait a minute, Tim, you're going to talk about relationships? Yeah. So we have we we need people. Just listen to me first. We got to get this down first. I really believe so. That I believe this, guys. The problems we're having in our relationships with each other is really about our relationship with God. It really is. You know, we have this idea. If I find the right person, then that person will cure my loneliness. Again, I'll remind you, Adam is not lonely. He's just alone. And if you're lonely, it's not because you don't have the right person. You don't have the right relationship with God. You know, some of us, and I've, been, I've found myself doing this, we'll spend our entire lives searching for that one person, thinking maybe that special person will provide the love I need, the acceptance I need, the attention I need, and the security I need. That's putting a lot of pressure on people, folks. Nobody can do that. 
I feel sorry for my wife sometimes. I'm thinking, you know, I feel like, uh, and what about Bob? I need, I need, you know, come on. And she's like, I cannot satisfy your need. You know what I'm talking about, right? Fellas, you know what I'm talking about. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. You see, only, listen, only God can fill the hole in your soul. No one else can do that. And Jesus is such a great example of that because you see Jesus here constantly going to His Father, craving His Father, looking to the love from His Father, praying every morning, calling out to Him during the day, quoting His Father, saying, you know, the world must learn that I love the Father and the Father loves me and I've I've come here to do His will. And before he'd even begin loving some disciple, he'd think about his love for God. One time he's at the well, at a well. We know this story, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And Jesus says, they're talking about, you know, getting a drink. And she goes, you know, I'd like to get a drink. And, and, um, and he asks for a drink. And she says, well, uh, uh, well, if you, then he says this, because if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink. And I'd give you living water. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket. And this well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself along with his children and livestock? Jesus answered, If you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they'll never thirst again and will forever be satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes gushing, a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. I get to see the woman's eyes going, what? She replied, let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again. And I want to come back here and draw water. You know, she's still thinking we're talking about water. And they are talking about water. But Jesus is talking about living water, folks. And he says, Jesus said, well, go get your husband and bring him back here. But I'm not married, the woman said. That's true, he said. You've been married five times and now you're living with a man who's not your husband. You've told the truth. What's going on here? This woman is thirsty, but she's not. Jesus says, look, I know you're, you're not thirsty for water. You're thirsty for meaning and fulfillment and satisfaction. You're, there's a hole in your soul and you're trying to fill it with people. And they can't fill it. It's too big. I mean, you've had five guys already in your life, and the, and you've kind of given up on marriage because the guy now you've got, you're just living with. Listen, folks, you'll never be satisfied drinking from the wrong well. Are people important? Obviously they're important, of course. But the deepest well, the deepest need, hmm, the deepest need in your life is not people. It may be a deep need. Listen, folks, it's not the deepest need you and I have. Now, my deepest need is my relationship with God. Jesus says, start with me. Because I'm the only one that can satisfy your thirst for connection. So that's the first thing. God makes me whole. I, 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 friendships can help, but friendships will not make you whole. They will not truly satisfy you. Why? Because people fail. We, we hurt each other. We're sinners. We're broken. We're going to mess up. But not the Lord. Number two, there's help I need only God can provide. You know, part of the things I look for, I don't know if maybe everybody else is different here, 
A lot of times I'm looking for help when I have relationships. I need help. And do I get help? Do you get help? Of course. I mean, Eve was a helper. Of course. And while we do find help with other people, there are some things that people just can't help us with. Boy, I tell you, I wish I could learn that. There are just some things, and see, this is unknown territory for a lot of us because we're so used to having people telling us what to do, telling us what to feel, telling us where to go, telling us how to respond, and, and, and we're really into discipling. We're really into making disciples. You need to listen to each other, seek advice. And I'm not denying all that's all true. That's all important. But folks, there are just some things people just can't help you with. Only God can. Well, He uses people. Yes, He does use people. I'm not denying that either. But there's sometimes it's just from Him. Look at this passage in Psalm 18. In my distress, I called out to my wife. Oh, honey! In my distress, I called out to my best friend, my BFF man. I cried out to the Lord. I cried out to my son, my paw, my mom. No, he says, I cried out to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him, and to his ears, the earth trembled and quaked, and the foundation of the mountain shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherub and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstorms and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. Great bolts of lightning, he routed them. Twenty-one times in this little passage, God is referred to. He, His, my God, Lord. Did you ditch that? Not a person mentioned. Not a per- I don't know about you. I don't know anybody that can shake mountains. Last time I was in the Rockies, I grabbed the mountain just to see if I could. And things were moving. It wasn't the mountain. I don't know about you, but I need someone like this in my life. God is ticked. And what's He do? He comes down from heaven, shakes the earth, splits the rocks in two. Powerful help that only He can provide. See, if you rely on people as your primary source for help, you're going to end up being disappointed and frustrated. Now, how do you know that, Tim? Well, just think about it. Not everybody can help you with everything. There's only some things. And see, I'm learning this. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around this. Sometimes I need to get God's help before I get anybody else's. Because when God is my God, then I have access to His help and His power. When He's my God. Relationship, folks. Is He your God? Or is He a God? Is He your God, your Lord? Or is He a Lord, a God? How do I know? Well, when your boss says do something and God says something else, what do you do? When something happens and you're, you want to do this, but God says do something else, what do you do? Because you can be a Lord. I can be a Lord of my life. I can be a Lord, a boss conveniently. I can be a God other people can be a God. But is He going to be mine? Mine. See, 
The Lord was Adam's God. And that's why he wasn't lonely. And everything went sideways when he started, listen, listen, he started reaching for something else instead of out to his God. He started reaching for some fruit that he really didn't need instead of trusting his God. That's number two. Number three, there's insight and wisdom only God can give. Well, can we just be honest this morning? I'll be honest. I don't know everything. In fact, I think I don't know much. You got me up here talking. Crazy people. I just don't know much. I used to think I knew a lot. I didn't ever, I never thought I knew everything, but I thought I knew a lot and I realized I don't know very much. And guess what? You don't know very much either. And the person next to you, you don't, doesn't know very much. And the person that you go to, that you think that's your go-to guy, and you think, man, that's going to help me more than anything else, they don't know everything either. I'm not saying doubt everything somebody says. I'm just putting it in context, folks. If I ever sound like I know what I'm talking about, it's because I'm just repeating what God has already said. <laughs> that's the best material in the world, you know. And if you say, well, I don't know, I'm pretty good. Let me tell you, uh, here's how I know every, uh, how I know we're all limited. Have you ever gotten with somebody and had a discussion with them, and then when you left, you were more confused than when you were when you met them? That's because we don't know everything. We're still learning. I hope I'm always trying to learn. See, we need to look at God's insight before trying to get it from somebody else. Look what the Bible says here. The Lord is the source of wisdom. Knowledge and understanding come from His mouth. So I'm not to trust people. Now, come on. We're talking about foundational stuff here. And by the way, doesn't it depend on who it is? Really. If you're listening to a fool, you're going to pay. If you're listening to a godly person and they're showing you Scripture, do we have to go there? I guess maybe we just make it clear here. I mean, is that what you're doing? Is that what? Let me ask you: Is that the habit you have? Oh, I go to godly people and get, or do you go to people that already agree with you? Or do you go to people that that won't challenge you? You think they're safe? They're really more dangerous. I want to say this. You ever get these annoying phone calls? And by the way, I'm just I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Just saying. Don't try to read what I'm I'm trying not, not trying to say something I'm bothered with. But you ever get these annoying phone calls that say, Hey, what's so and so's phone number? Like you're the operator now. You're their personal four one one. Hey man, what's so and so's uh, phone number? Can you shoot that to me real quick? And of course I always do. You know, I, I get a kick out of. I got a quick question, but it's not a quick answer. I got a quick question about the Bible. I got a quick question. It's almost like we're in a hurry to solve something, and so we want a quick answer. And if we don't like it, and I, and I want you to know, I think we ought to. We, I believe, we should. Cherish and appreciate the wiser men and women in this room. I believe that. We're to honor them and listen to them. The Bible tells us to listen. That the wise, If you want to be wise, listen to the wise. And oh, how we need more wisdom in Greater Alton, huh? <laughs> I'm more and more realizing that. How much wisdom we need. How much wisdom I need. But no one, listen, no one can do your research for you. I, yes, you can get a quick answer, but honestly, there's some insight and some things that, that from God you're not going to get in 30 minutes. This isn't a sitcom that you fix in 30 minutes. Sometimes it takes months. It might even take years to get to the answer. 
I love this in Acts 17 up on the screen. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. Oh, they're really open-minded. What's their traits? Well, they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the Scriptures day after day to check up on Paul and Silas to see if they were really teaching the truth. They didn't just take their word for it. I don't know how many times people say, well, Tim said it, it must be true. I want to tell you, I don't want to lie to anybody, but I'm not, I'm not a perfect man. And any information you're getting this morning, if it's good, it's from the Word of God. But notice that they're open-minded and listening, but they didn't just take Paul and Silas's word for it. They checked the Scriptures out to see if it was really true. I had a guy after the funeral yesterday say, where did you get that passage out of Philippians about we don't need to be interested in ourselves but interested in others? I think Seth talked about that this morning. I, I thought it was kind of cool. And I, I told him where it was. He's checking me out at a funeral? Are you kidding? No, I'm check. I want to know this. Because my wife, he said this, my wife's been telling me that I... I'm, I'm selfish and I'm self-centered. And that verse really helped me today. I go, where do you go to church? Please come here. You know. No, see, when I depend on my inner self and on others for information, look, folks, I shouldn't be surprised that I find my perspective a little warped or my decisions lacking clarity. No, I go to the Word. And not to find confirmation for what I want to do. I just want to know what to do. Look at this. Wisdom. Where does wisdom begin? The Bible says it begins with respect. Uh, the King James says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. With respect, with reverence, esteem. For who? For the preacher. No! For the eldership. No! Although you should respect your leaders in the church. No, it's for the Lord. That wisdom begins with that esteem, reverence, respect, and not terror, but this this awe of God knows what I need to do. There's just some insight and wisdom only God can give. I might get it through a relationship, that's true. But, he, but I want you to there's sometimes that only God can give it to me. And it's, it, it's sitting down and reading my Bible as a, as a child reading my Bible and as a senior citizen reading my Bible. See, I haven't made my mind up on everything quite yet. I'm still learning. I want to know what the Scriptures really teach because I know my culture, your culture, influences how we see things, folks. Number four, I have destructive patterns only God can change. What are you talking about, Tim? There's just some stuff that nobody can help me change. I can have all the accountability, all the meetings, all the questions. I, 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 I hear people every once in a while say, well, if I have people would hold me more accountable, how about you hold you more accountable? How about, how about you expect, you go to God and say, God, what do I do with this? See, I'm learning something. I'm learning something. There's all, you know, I don't know about you. You have somebody that's always making your life difficult. They show up and you go, oh no, here we go. I have every day this person shows up and it's a hassle. And I'm gonna, he's in this room and I'm gonna reveal him. It's me. I will mess it up. I will mess it up somehow. Right now I'm dealing with a passage that says, a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Now I know that. But I sure don't follow that. I have went off on my wife. I've went off on my friends. I've went off on a couple of employees. I had to go back and apologize. When the Holy Spirit just immediately just bangs you over the head going, what are you thinking, you dummy? Go back and make that right. A man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. You see, I had to tell these guys, you know, um, 
that wasn't God's desire. It's okay, man. I said, no, that wasn't what God desired. That was what Timmy desired. See, your biggest problem is you. How do I know that? Because my biggest problem is me. And I got stuff and you got stuff that's going on in your life and you can't fix it by yourself. I can't fix it by myself. And sometimes no one else can fix it. Only God can fix it. Look what God says when He was addressing a problem that no one knew how to fix. He says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Thank God. See, I've got destructive habits, you've got destructive habits, and they will destroy you and I and destroy our relationships until we move from this me life to we life to really get tight with God. It'll never change. It'll never change. My relationships, your relationships, folks, are going to struggle until you and I get this down. See, Adam and Eve had a problem they couldn't fix. There was a time on the earth when everything was without shame. It was peaceful. It was good. They were naked and they didn't hide it. And I, I don't know what that, huh, okay. You know, it was just that way. And then something went nuts. Something went sideways. They were reaching for something else. They wanted to be like God. Weren't they already like God? Weren't they made in the image of God already? They weren't satisfied with that? And they're reaching for something else. And and you know what? Here we are, generations later still, we're reaching out for something else. Sometimes I find I'm more intent about getting something or a person or a thing and reaching out and getting that than I am about the Lord Himself. And then I wonder why I'm not getting along with somebody. There's no harmony in the relationship. There's no default switch to stop me and make me think. You know, God confronts Adam and Eve. Everything's changed. They can't fix it. What's the problem? He gets it. They, they're hiding and they come out of the bushes and they got these coverings they've made and they're not very good. You know, what's going on here? Oh, we were ashamed. When did, when did shame start being a part of my world that I made for you? I never wanted shame to be a part of your life. When did that happen? Well, we were naked. Well, you're naked. How do you know that? Who told you that? What's happened here? And what's Adam say? No, it's a woman. The woman you made. Deal with it. I don't know what to do with her. Any other husbands feel like that? I don't know what to do with her anymore. She's going through the change or something. I don't know what to do with her anymore. Can't figure her out. And what's a woman say? So what do you got to say? It's a snake you made. It's that stupid snake. Blaming. Hiding. Listen close, folks. They're hiding and blaming. And God says, listen, Adam, it has nothing to do with her. Eve, it has nothing to do with the snake. It has something to do with us. It has something to do with us. You and me. That's the source of the problem in the relationship. And so what does God do? Thank God He does this. He doesn't go, so you're out. And that's the end of it. No, He goes, who made these coverings? Well, you know, I don't know how to sew very well. No, no, no. What, what is this? No, 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 no. You're not cover- you, you can't cover it up. That's a lesson we need to remember, huh? We can never really cover it up. I listened to my sister-in-law yesterday crying. They're just going through a tough time. And just sits there and goes, you know, I think about other families, they go through all this stuff, and I never thought our family would go through this. And then she just starts crying. And you know, even, and some of us, or some of our families here, you know, you, you think you're doing a great job of hiding. The thing is, you're, you, what you can do to cover it up is not enough. It's not enough. You need God to be involved in covering it up. 
And what's he do? He kills an animal. And you say, I'd love, what? A pure, innocent animal? Yeah. Bothers you, huh? Yeah. What's he doing that for? Because it's going to take blood to cover this up. And he makes coverings for them, it says, the Bible says. And that'll do for now, he says. Where did this all start, folks? Where did this all start? I got thinking about this. Where did this all start? It started from a dumb tree. They went to a tree and got into trouble. And eventually, God would get them out of trouble from another tree. He would come in and deal with us. It hasn't changed since the garden. It's been broken since the beginning. We've been reaching out our little tree and God says, I'm going to reach out and love you from a tree called the cross. Look at this. The Bible says in Galatians 3, the law says we're under a curse for not always obeying it. But Christ took away the curse. Praise God. He took away the curse. He took away the curse. He changed places. How did He do it? He changed places with us. Put Himself under that curse. He didn't do it. He didn't mess it up. But He takes the blame in order to clean it up. Because of what Jesus Christ did, the blessing God promised to Abraham was given to all people. Christ died so that by believing in Him, listen to this, we could have the Spirit that God promised. What are you talking about? I can have that internal compass. I can have God living inside me. Now I'll tell you what, if God is living in you, you have a relationship. When Christ is living in you, when His Holy Spirit is living in you, uh, let's don't get all caught up in the tongue stuff and all that. I'm just telling guys, listen, if the Holy Spirit is living in you, you change. You change. Because His compass keeps pointing you in the right direction. His compass. His desires. And He does that by, oh, a better word to say it, okay, by fixing the damage you and I do to ourselves and to each other. Chloe Kardashian said these words. There's a moan in the crowd, Alan. Did you hear that? I'm going I'm to mess this lesson up. I read this just a few weeks ago. I was horrified when I couldn't believe she'd say something like this. Don't kill people with kindness because not everyone deserves your kindness. No. Kill them with your silence because not everyone deserves your attention. God blasts that out of the water. Of course we don't deserve attention. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But God comes down. Dies on a tree. Comes down to... You think about this. Perfect world. It's excited. He comes back and it's such a mess. And He goes, well, I guess we got to get another tree here. Fix it all. Of course you don't deserve it. Of course I don't deserve it. Of course... But praise God... He wasn't silent. I wish Chloe could figure that out. I wish I could figure that out. Because see, when I realize that God has been very vocal and very active in making things right with me, i got to think about all you people and i got to think about all the people in my life and how do I treat them. See, that relationship centers you up and get you ready for all the brokenness around you. So what are you going to do in this series? Are you just going to, oh, I'm going to learn how to have better friends and, and your relationship with God stay the same? Oh, please don't let that happen. 
Don't let that happen. This morning, make it make a choice. Going, you know what? I'm going to work. I'm going to I'm going to respond to God. I'm going to I'm going to get serious and make make God my God. Make God my Lord. I'm going to listen to His insight. I'm going to call for His help. And I'm going to find that uh, I want to change these things that no one else really can help me change. You've got a card in your bulletin, and it's a response card. And I hope you'll think about today what you're going to do, how you need to respond. Uh, Think about your relationship with God, its condition right now. Do you have a relationship with God? He, He wants to start moving you from just you to you and Him. And He wants you to learn. I think sometimes, you know, I think He wants us to learn what kind of relationship we really have and how it is by improving the ones around us. We're going to give you a moment to fill that card out. And uh, we're going to sing a song while you do that. hope it doesn't distract you. I hope you think. And, and then we get through singing this song. We'll sing one more song. And we'll take up all those cards that we filled out along with um, our contribution today. I want you to know if you're a guest here, I want you to know you're under no obligation to give to this church. Don't worry, nobody will look at you funny. That, that's okay. This is for our members, you know, here, and we ask them to give, and I know our membership here is generous. And uh, so let's pray, and then we'll finish up our service here. Father, thank you for such powerful thoughts this morning, Lord. I just think about all the stuff I've reached for, that we've reached for, that never satisfy. And Father, we pray this morning that You'll help us reach up to You with our hearts, with our minds, with our strength, with our soul, and reach out to You and crave and have the relationship Adam once had in that perfect place called the Garden of Eden. Would You help us listen to You, Father? We know that You do speak through people. Father, help us pay attention to what those people are saying because not everybody does, but... We pray, Father, that we'll listen to the insight only You can give, to accept the help You can only give. And Father, help us be fulfilled and whole and find that the answer to our loneliness is a relationship with You, drinking Your living water. Oh, we want to be satisfied. That's what we pray. That's what we ask in the name of Jesus. We pray, Amen.